Happy Tuesday. Good morning, everybody. It's the 25th of April, 2023, and um, it's raining here. It is. Yeah. Very overcast and cozy. Yeah, we've got our little fireplace guy going. We do have our fireplace guy going. (laughs) It's a little chilly out there, but you know, it's kind of nice. Yeah. I mean, April 25th, if it... 25th of April is can be warm. Yeah. Just not now. April showers need to bring May flowers. That's right. So we want the showers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it looks like our trees and bushes and the forest is very happy. Yeah. Everything's blooming. There's a lots of joy out there. Mm-hmm. Oh, what a beautiful day. It is a beautiful day. Yeah. Tonight is doxology. Wow. That's exciting. There's all kinds of excitement with that. I could make a list. Mm -hmm. So we can, we'll see you on the live stream tonight. Yes, we will. Very happy about that. And we have a grief dunk beginning on Saturday. Grief dunk does start on Saturday. So we'll be going through the, the journey of the joy, the wake to joy. Yes. The journey of the wake to joy. That, you know, the, the two J's. It's like uh, J. Joe jeans and jelly beans. It just takes a little bit of time. Right? You have from to, Sesame Street? Uh-huh. Or the no, no, no. Sesame Street. Okay. You, have to have to, you have to work your way through it. It's okay. like, oh my gosh, I got to practice that. <laughs> but we got it. The journey through the wake to joy. And we're going to be heading straight towards joy next week. And yes. Yeah. And that's a beautiful thing. And we mm-hmm. bless all those people who are joining us for that here in Bixby. Yes. Yeah. Well, um, so I was at the corner yesterday, had an interesting experience. And now that we have a few seconds to talk, I thought I'd share it with you. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) (laughs) So it turns out that there is a bird. Oh, yeah. Specifically a robin. That is trying to enter the corner. Yes. So I'm standing in the um, atrium of the corner, and um, which is kind of like standing by the gray stone when the thrush <laughs> knocks. Only instead of the thrush knocking, it was the robin, and the robin was was this sweet bird. And the bird was was like walking on the concrete right outside of the corner. And it would fly up in the air like three feet or a meter and then try to enter the building through the glass. Yeah. And so there was this knock. It was like the thrush was knocking, only the robin was knocking. Yeah. So we had kind of a... Yeah, I just want to... Add to that that we were um, gathered for Rosh Hashanah prayer on Saturday morning, and we were hearing this noise, and popped out, you know, of of arrival, and couldn't, you know, just didn't know what was happening. But it was a very unique noise, and that's where we all were. Is like that's not a normal noise, but then, yeah. Boom. So that you discovered it yesterday. Yeah, I mean, the fact that it's still happening is just amazing. So, yeah. so here's, here's the story. So 
So this this bird, God bless this bird, kept knocking and knocking on this window, but not just trying to communicate, but literally trying to get into the building. But there was glass in the way. So as we know, the robin, who is uh, one of the only birds that raises their children to be full grown before letting them fly away from the nest, yeah. you know, like many of some of those, some of those birds, you know, just kind of kick them out when they're young. But when when uh, a robin has a child, it raises it all the way. So to us, uh, the bird robin represents adulthood, and um, and it's like this robin's trying to tell us something. So when I saw that, I felt to look up the word glass in Hebrew. And oh, good one. So, yeah, yeah, I did. And uh, the, you. Well, you know. So here's Job 28, and I'm going to do two verses, verse, verse 12 and then verse 17. So it says this, But where shall wisdom be found, and where is the place of understanding? So this is chokmah and binah. Where is where shall wisdom be found, and where is the place of understanding? Gold and glass cannot equal it, nor can it be exchanged for jewels of fine gold. So, wisdom and understanding are very valuable, and um, and people will search out for them because they are of such value. And I find it to be pretty incredible that um, in those days, glass was very valuable. But some translations, instead of glass, they'll say crystal. But, um, but I, think, I think the heart of this word is actually glass. So, um, but this word is rare, rare, rare. So it is zakukith. And yes, I will say that again. <laughs> it is zakukith. And Zekukith, which is Hebrew 2135, is a noun feminine, and it is only found one place in the Bible, and that is Job 28, verse 17. It's the only place it exists in the Bible. So Zekukith is made of, deep breath, Zayin, Kaf, Vav, Kaf, Yod, and Tav. Let's try that again, shall we? Zayin kaf vav kaf yod tav. So it's it's a whopper. It's a six consonant word in Hebrew, and uh, zekukith, very rare. Hebrew twenty one thirty five. Now, the spirit revealed covenant of this is astonishing because remember that what took us to zekukith was the glass that this robin was knocking on, and robins represent adulthood. So what is the Spirit-revealed covenant of Zekukith? It is, maturity opens and secures the potential and the order of adulthood. Now, I think we need to take a second and just say, wow. Yeah, I'm with you. Wow. Because it isn't glass by itself that just okay glass means adulthood got it but the robin <laughs> represents adulthood and the robin is knocking on the glass mm-hmm. and over and over again for days it's like we have days where this is happening mm-hmm. and and you know not just a single instance and and multiple sightings of this and so 
Zaku Keith is really standing out to us right now. And because it is a noun feminine, the picture we're receiving is that all of creation is calling for the bride to mature. Yeah. And uh, as she does, of course, her potential as an adult and order for her and the world is established. So there's an order. And I have a feeling we're going to talk about order again. Um, We'll just see like in the coming weeks or months. But for now, order is a piece of this covenant that, that God is revealing through creation to us. And so um, there is an order that Elohim has planned for the world. And so now, of course, our hearts are aching for it. What is it? So now of all the places for Elohim to take me next, because it's like I'm, you know, could go just about anywhere from here. I mean, <laughs> it seems like that's a pretty good stopping place. But in, in fact, um, Elohim took me to Malachi chapter one. So, uh, and this was definitely one of those where I heard the Lord say, go to, <laughs> go to Malachi. It was almost like, you know, go to um, the website. But anyway, go to Malachi chapter one. And so as I read the, the, the verses in chapter one, I have pulled out verses six and seven, and then verse 14. So um, the context in this is, is if you remember from Malachi three, God brings this, um, God admonishes um, the people for not giving the whole tithe to Elohim. Well, in Malachi 1, it's another admonishment, but it's a different one. And so let's read it and find out. Malachi 1, 6 through 7 and 14. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I, God, am a father, where is my honor? Boy, there's a, there's a pause, rewind, repeat. If a son honors his father and a servant his master, then if I am a father, which God is saying, I'm your father and you are my sons and daughters, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear or awe? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests. Now, as soon as we see that God's talking to the priests, we have to pause because we know that this is a, this is a, a message that that matters to to the what Peter called the chosen generation, the royal priesthood. So we we have a response to this. So the Lord says this to you, O priests, who despise my name. But you say, how have we despised your name? God's answer, by offering polluted food upon my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? And then God's answer, by saying that the Lord's table may be despised. And this is the sentence, cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock and vows it, yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. Again, Malachi 1, 6-7 and 14. So, This is like, okay, wow. Now, what do we do with this? Because here we have the same, um, 
the same tempo of verse is coming from the Lord to the people, but in this case, to the priests specifically. And But the way God says it is God makes a statement, and then God tells us what our response is, and then God tells you what God's answer is to our response that God knows we're going to say, even though, I mean, technically we haven't said it, but you know what I mean. So, um, so it's the same exact tempo in Malachi 1 as we heard in Malachi 3. And Malachi 3 was a very, very important uh, chapter of uh, the Bible. Yes. And so Malachi 1 is here, and, and now we're, we're taking a look at this. So Elohim had me look at the word for cheat, because that's, that, that is what it, it sort of emphasized in this. Cursed be the cheat who basically vows to do something, but does something different, and, and used that word cheat. So the word cheat here in Hebrew is nakal, and nakal is Hebrew 52.30, and it's a primitive root verb, but also very rare. Only four times in the Bible do you find nakal. So this is one of those, and um, it's made of none, kaf, with a K, and lamed, and it also means to conspire. So, what I, whenever I see a, a word like this that has a negative connotation, cheat obviously is not a positive connotation. So, I'm like, all right, Lord, what, what does this mean to you in the condition so that we can get to the covenant? So, Elohim said, well, from Nun, Kaf, and Lamed take this meaning, royal priests allowing their wounded hearts to rule them. Mm. You know, as soon as I heard this, it, I felt like there was a connection between a wounded heart and the glass that the robin could not get through in order to access the fullness of covenant. And it reminded me of the song. Do you remember the song Heart of Glass? I do. Yeah, that's Blondie. Yeah, that song actually just like rang out and I I don't think I'm going to sing it nor am I going to read its lyrics, but it was kind of Blondie's disco song. Yeah. And it's bless- too bad Topaz isn't here. This oh, is she would, right up she would totally sing that. Yeah. But 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 Heart of Glass came to mind. So there is a connection between us as royal priests allowing our wounded hearts to rule us instead of um, pursuing healing. So if we don't pursue healing, our hearts become an obstacle to maturity. If we do not pursue healing, our hearts become an obstacle to maturity. You should say that like over and over again. Pause the 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 um, podcast and just keep saying it. If we don't pursue healing, our hearts become an obstacle to maturity. That's the heart of glass. The glass that kept the robin that represents adulthood from entering into the covenant. And, and then that word, zekukith, which that is that bridal word about maturity for glass, maturity opening, and that's the redemptive covenant, maturity opening and securing, uh, opens and secures the potential and order of adulthood. So maturity is crucial, and with wounded hearts, we have an obstacle to maturity. 
So that's the, um, that's the condition that God revealed. So what is the Spirit revealed? Redemptive covenant. So the covenant of, the, of what God has intended for Nakal, which is the cheat. And that is royal priests are the standard of government. So that is the royal priests are those who serve the world, not rule, um, meaning taking choice away or forcing people to their will. Not at all. It's the opposite. Royal priests serve the world. We, we bring love to many. We dismantle op- oppression. We dismantle everything that would keep people from being able to choose. And we, and we are called as royal priests to nurture people to rest and maturity. So here we are, we're receiving this word today. Today is actually the 19th day in the counting of the Omer. Yes. And so in Hebrew, 19 is kof, Q, uh, the Q-O-F, kof, <laughs> at kof, kof, which is not only crowning, so uh, again, a bridal reference, but also the fullness of time. And so what we hear, what I, I'm hearing Elohim say right now, it is this is the time right now for royal priests to mature so that the bride's potential as an adult and the resulting order of the world, which is an order where choice is restored, can be established. So this week, I'm, I'm just encouraging everyone who's listening, this week, ask Elohim to shine the light of Jesus in your hearts, in all of our hearts, to see this daily bread of heart healing so we can mature as the bride. And I think a big part of that is understanding that, you know, if we tolerate these wounded places, we are allowing our wounded hearts to rule ourselves instead of allowing God with the light of Jesus to reveal the places of healing yielding to that healing, walking through the journey of that healing, taking responsibility for those wounds and the things that we've done, which in this, in this case was the word cheat or nakal. But whatever manifestation it is, we take responsibility in the light of Jesus to let our hearts be healed so that our hearts are not hearts of glass but they're healed and they're not obstacles to maturity. We walk confidently into maturity so that we can be a bride that is at adulthood because Jesus will not marry a six-year-old. Jesus will only marry an adult. Yes. Yeah. It's so... It's so amazing what is being revealed right now and what we're being invited to right now. I've been thinking about about that Robin. Um, you know, it's so interesting. We've just completed a fitting room, which thank you to our five couples that yes. were with us. And we really did consider ourselves the sixth couple, and we were we were really affected and changed by astounding yeah by wow. the week and so Thank very you, grateful for the the brave hearts that came and uh, and had a fitting room with us and you know I just briefly shared in talking about covenant covenant of birds and um, the robin was one that I mentioned and then we get to this Rosh Hadesh prayer time 
when when the ladies gather and we just welcome the season. We invite all that the Elohim has for us in it, and we're hearing this sound, you know, not knowing what it is. And then we didn't get to talk about this, um, but Kat sent me a video, and she's like, I, we know what that sound was now, and it's this robin, you know, knocking on the glass, as you said. So I just have been thinking about that all all day yesterday, and uh, and I had wanted to you know, sky gaze, story, story gaze, you know, and was kind of peeking into that. But I, I knew we already had our sign um, of, of what we're being invited to, just called to right now. So we have just come into a new month. And uh, in the, the way we've been calling it for, for a long time is IR which is light, radiance, and glow, but we're going into the true Hebrew names of the months, you know, in this in this year. And so the Hebrew name of this month is Ziv. And uh, in the simplest form, Ziv means sprouting, but listen to this. Ziv represents all of creation becoming eager to be fruitful or mature. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he would just give us a sign. Uh, oh. <laughs> yeah. So all of creation becomes eager to be fruitful, to, to be mature. And not just be mature, but reveal the maturity. So um, when, when uh, creation begins emerging and the flowers are opening it's called the plant's way of advertising and it's it's not showing off right it's not like look at me it's a display of willingness and readiness to be matured because those the opening of the bud you're not seeing the full flower yet but it's displaying the willingness and readiness to the the truth that each part of creation has been able to mature fully. And I just love that so much. Willingness is contentment. It's our satisfaction, our satisfy in, in who He has been, who we know He will always be, what He has enacted you know, for us from the beginning that we've recognized now and stepped into. So incredible. Wow. And then, you know, when, when the flower fully opens, you can see the seed. And what you're really seeing is the one who brought the bloom, the one who brought that about. And um, so Ziv comes from an unused root, meaning to, um, to be prominent, to be fruitful, to be mature, to be ready to reproduce. And I think that's um, part of our our journey is is just in what you're talking about, and I'm going to continue this is really knowing that the seed that we are soon to bear, that we are soon to reveal, is is Elohim's seed. It's what was planted from the beginning that we've tended and nurtured, not seed we've tried to plant for ourselves. Um, because we do want to reproduce. Uh, 
we do want to um, have the seed in each of us scatter, but we want it to be the good seed, the seed that um, can bear so much fruit because it it has come from that place of being changed and uh, brought to maturity. So um, there's... Uh, something that happened in the month of Ziv, which is it's when the beginning, it's when the temple building began. And I just thought that was so significant because we here are the temple. And so it is, um, it is a, this maturing is a, an opening of the curtain. It's revealing so fully who God is to us, you know, and, um, and just what we really carry, you know, what the temple holds, and um, and to reveal the beauty of who who the Lord is to us, like that. What a what a thing to be invited to, because we see all the places of of you know fail and fall and all those things, but yet this is our invitation is that vulnerability to bear the beauty of the Lord, to reveal the beauty of the Lord, the presence that this God that we talk about isn't an inanimate object. Uh, this, is, this is no piece of wood. This is no piece of metal. This is um, the living, breathing, moving, ever on our, ever for our benefit, God, you know, that we are revealing. And uh, this season reminds us of this, that um, we are entrusted with the beauty of God, like, which means beauty is so connected to vulnerability. We are trusted to reveal the vulnerability of God that He does plant us. He does fill us with His seed. He does um, invite us to be the ones that reveal Him to each other and to a world that, you know, is is so desperate for beauty, so desperate to remember that there is beauty, you know, that there is something still worth fighting for, something worth living for. Um, you know, we, we have a sign in our house because we love quotes, but um, it says, find something you would die for and then live for it. You know, and so I think this is a season of really, really revealing who we would lay our lives down for, you know, and then the life we take up and live from here. So some further meanings of Zeb are to increase and to thrive. It means to reveal the splendor of royalty, to reveal the crown, to reveal the crown that we carry to always crown Him in every circumstance and situation, but also the crowns we wear, the crown of the bride, the atara tiara. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so really looking, you know, in this time of the counting of the Omer, of what do we want to reproduce? Like, what do we want... Um, because whatever we sow, it's a sign of our inheritance. It's a sign of what either we were given or what we've taken for ourselves. And to sow what we're given, oh my goodness, the harvest of that. And so 
really looking at what do I want to reproduce? Like, what do I, what do I really want to sow? And even in that taking time to really let, let the Lord be honest with you about things that you've sown that, that you didn't intend, that He didn't intend, and then ask Him, ask Him to uh, pluck those seeds, you know, and that can look like various things. It might just be that simple, you know, the simplicity, which it really is a simplicity of repenting and letting Him restore. Like, would you remove seeds I've sown when I was hurt, when I was angry when I was offended, when I was believing a lie, like, would you pluck those up so that they can no longer bear fruit? Because I only want to replicate you. I only want to reveal you. And just having those honest moments with the Lord to know we all have sown seed that um, mostly we didn't intend. Sometimes we did because we were hurt. We were offended. We were... um, you know, all of those things we can be that haven't been uh, moved to the fullness of who who they are, who Elohim is to us, you know. And so it's just, a, an, I think, a really important question. And sometimes you may have us go and, hey, I sowed a seed about someone. I sowed a seed um, when I was hurting, when I didn't understand yet, when I was just an offense and I wasn't looking in the mirror, you know, <laughs> I was just looking through the glass to that person, you know, and um, I was just walking wounded and I sewed that with you and I don't, it isn't true, it isn't real, it isn't, um, it isn't who that person is or isn't what that situation was and really allow that, um, those seeds to just be plucked up and uh, gathered up by the Lord and uh, redeemed. So one of the things that, uh, one of the plants that blooms in spring is the olive tree. And it is a sign that winter has passed and spring has arrived. It's a sign that it's time to mature. So in the olive tree, the the, the oil from the tree was used in several ways. One was in lamps, and the other was in medicine. So the oil was used to anoint kings and priests and prophets. And and I love this definition of prophets. The word is navi, and it's from the root word bow, and it means coming, or one who sees him coming. Oh, that we would be prophets in this day, that we see him coming into every situation, every circumstance, and we would reveal it with that oil, with the oil of gladness, you know, that we are so glad He's coming because we are so affected by every time before this that that the Lord has come and been all that we needed in every situation. So, um, so there's the you know the oil for lamps that brings the light. You know that's part of the meaning of this month. The light that that um, basks the seed, so the seed can sprout, and so all of this you know move to maturity can happen. Um, so one of the meanings of light that um, that comes from from the lamps is 
It's a place. Light isn't a thing. When, when the Lord said, let there be light, He was saying, let there be room for all that is to come for us to see it together, experience it together, delight in it together. Um, and so one of the meanings of light is to see the intense exchange of pure love between two radiating beings. So that would be Elohim and us. So this is uh, one of the things light means is, is the revelation of reciprocated love because there is such an awareness of experiencing the love for each other. So this is a form of light when we are reciprocating the love that we have been not given that we are of, when we remember that, he, that God is love and that we are formed you know, we are formed from love itself. And that uh, when we reveal our reciprocated, our remembered love, it brings light to the world. It's the light in the lamp. It's, the, it's what comes from that oil in the lamp. I mean, how incredibly simple is that? That idea of just our reciprocated love moments where we are just in that intense exchange of pure love lights the world so others can become aware and long to experience that. Oh, love it so much. And, uh, you know, I, I was thinking, I guess, a bit about prophets and, you know, how, I don't know, throughout our history, you know, there's a, a scripture that ties to this, but there's a big thing about, you know, don't touch God's anointed. And so, you know, that's used when someone says something and don't mess with it kind of thing. And uh, that like, there's a lot of meaning to that. So I'm not belittling that, but I just, as I was thinking of it and how confused we can be about what a prophet is, is called to, which is, is to be um, the spokesperson, is to be a revelation of the heartbeat, is, is to see He's coming. Um, is that God's anointed ones touch? And so maybe just a different view for us. And uh, I don't think Jesus uh, ever meant. You know, he lived a life here. Part of the gospel, part of the good news he revealed was that he touched the hurting, he touched the shamed, he touched the the broken, he touched those not yet healed. He touched those all in need of the, of the restoration of those things. And so that's got to be our good news too. And so God's anointed touch. Just wanted to mention the dimension for Zeev, which is Gabura, and uh, which is might. And I just, uh, this particular time in looking at this, I was led to Ephesians 6.10 which is to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. So the, um, in this scripture, the most common rendering of the word might is moed, which means very. It ties to an uh, ancient, ancient word, moadu, which means to increase or to be in abundance, to be within abundance. So to be within abundance is to know you 
it's completely accessible to you. There's no hindrance to being abundant, to living abundant. So then as that word passed into the Hebrew, it kept that meaning, but then also began to carry the idea of maturing and growing. So this dimension, Gaborah, is about maturing and growing. And this maturity could be in, in different aspects. Um, but, but the one really described here is this might or strength. So the idea, um, you know, when we consider loving our God with all of our might, that might is not um, our act of obligation. It's the love that we carry in our heart and soul. So it is, it's where we, we invite the, the God we are loving to multiply the love we have, to multiply our awareness of it, that there would be no dark nooks and crannies where we can't see our complete and utter love, that, that we are in a, an experience of where we're, we're you know, ever expressing it and exchanging it with God. This is not an act of obligation. It's a, an act of adoration. Part of that might is, is to long more than anything to have that love increased, to have that love matured and grown in you, in that, you know, in our journey to oneness. And, uh, and that is the place we're abundant within Abundance is to be within that place where love can multiply, where it can grow, where it can mature. And as you know, we did just come from a fitting room. So, you know, I think when you have that experience, I think for us, um, you know, as we're going through all the expressions that the couples are, and, and uh, you know, as we said, we were the sixth couple of this fitting room, realizing um how we feel about each other right now is, you know, it's such an expression of everything we've walked through. Everything, you know, how many times you and I say, you know, I'm so glad we're doing this together. I'm so glad we're experiencing even the hard things together. Like, even that, we're so glad we're together to experience it. And so that's part of this abundance that comes, this maturing love is no matter what we've walked through, Elohim, you've been with me. You've been with me, and I am grateful. I am so grateful that you are who has been with me in everything hard and happy and, you know, um, every single thing. I'm glad it's you that's been with me. I'm glad it's you that that. I've been recognizing in every single part of it. And, and my love has grown because of that. Like, it's just consumed me. I can't get over you. I can't withdraw from you. I can't not have every day be offered for you because, because of that. And so, um, Gaborah is so much about strength without our own sufficiency. But to be matured by the sufficiency of the Lord, you know, to actually know that if we we tried it on our own, it would be so different. It would be, <clears throat> it would be, um, you know, it would be empty. It would be so empty. And uh, and one of the things I love about 
Gaborah, about this dimension of might is it's this place in this exchange. We are loving our God unconditionally. And we so can so readily talk about being loved unconditionally. And, and of course, we want to demonstrate in our world, you know, in the world we're in right now, that we will love someone without condition, that their condition will not keep us from loving them. And I, I certainly never want my condition to keep someone, you know, from, from loving me. And this, um, I think this is one of the ways we're able to express that is because we love the Lord unconditionally in our past, in our present, and in our future, in what's to come. We don't have conditions on who our God can be to us. He's got the full room to be everything that He is, to come and upend what we tried to create, to exchange our plans for His, to reveal um, things we put in in His place. I mean, that's that's love without condition. And then we're able to to reveal that love to each other, like that our conditions, those moments and messes, they don't keep love from us. They actually increase the love. That's the maturing love. We apply it more liberally when someone has a need to see covenant and to walk in it. So um, the word Geborah comes from a root word, I'm just going to spell it, C-H-A-Y-L. And uh, it means to tremble or shake. And it comes from a, an ancient word, halu, which is the word used for labor or childbirth, that tremble that happens in childbirth. And so this is um, the, the revelation in it, in this might, is that he... He will take the tremble. Like he will, he will move with us. He will be affected with us in all that we're going through, so that, um, so that we know we're not alone. But also so that we know he, it's he who bears it. Like he who, who takes it all in, and in order to be there for, um, for the healing, for the the restoration, for the redemption. Like he will hold all that that hope for us too, which can cause us to um, to be in labor. Like we labor, we're in labor for hope sometimes. We're in labor to believe. We're in labor to, um, to remember all those things. He is, he is trust. He is hope. He is um, patience. He is all those things. And we can labor for those things. But Elohim's trembling is brooding right over that so it can be brought forth, so it can be birthed in us, so we can remember it isn't something we're trying to attain, it's something we carry. And then in the moment we need it, we may go through that um, that trembling for it to become real to us, for it to become who He is to become real and true to us. And it's pretty amazing. We're not alone in anything. So we are in the counting of the Omer, and we are in day nine, and I love that you brought that number forth. Nineteen. <laughs> and so that, you know, one of the things the counting of the Omer is, is it's a passage. It is the passage from Pesach to Shavuot. Um, it's a passage of remembrance um, 
but this passage is so important. A passage, the, that word means to cause to pass. You know, that's like when you look up <laughs> a word in Webster's and it's like, uh, you're looking at the word and then it says to be whatever that word is. And you're like, but what does that word mean? But we're going to go past that passage to cause to pass. But what that really means is to be changed, to be changed for the better, to sprout, to be renewed. That's what passage means. And so this season that we're in is about uh, each day that we're counting the summer, each day that we're remembering and where we are um, while we are just letting who He's been to us multiply, um, we are being changed for the better. And things that we couldn't see before, things we haven't experienced before, begin to sprout. Like the reality of who God is in us begins to sprout, and we we begin to be renewed. Um, passage means to go on forward. Passage means to grow up, to mature. So this is such a season for us of maturing. Uh, another meaning of passage is to pass away or to cut off. It, it means to have what hinders the root removed. So the path that we're on, it means to have everything that would hinder that walk to be removed. So even as he's inviting us through, he's removing everything that hinders it if we're if that's our, if that's the desire of our heart, remove anything that would hinder us from maturing, that would keep us from from growing. Um, passage means to spring up, to be pierced, and to be changed, um, to be renewed, and have to have everything. It means to strike through, and I I love this when we were gathered for Rosh Hashanah. And we were we were each talking about what we were seeing for this season and uh, what the counting of the Omer was coming to mean to us. Um, and I, I I actually am hoping next week to share a bit of that because I didn't get to ask everyone, but I was able to text Aida because I knew she'd be, you know, just up and and she would know exactly what I was talking about. But she was sharing how in this season of the counting of the Omer that. She's really been considering what what Papa counts, you know, and was she counting? Is she counting the same things? And so, if he's counting something, and um, and we aren't, you know, we want to look at that like, oh, are we not even? You know, do we not have this jar of marbles, you know, of your goodness that we're counting? And, you know, we don't want to just guess how much is there. We want to actually count it with him. And then one of the things uh, that she was seeing was, am I, you know, am I counting things he's not counting? And her view of that was, you know, definitely am I counting sins against other people but it really then also came to this place of my counting my sins against myself that he's washed away, that he's redeemed. And I really loved that so much and have been, you know, going through that um, since, since Saturday, just, wow, am I counting things he's not? And am I not counting things he is? And am I counting things against myself that there's not even a jar for? You know, there's not the jar of jelly beans. He's not 
collected those sins, the jar is empty because he considers those sins no more. And uh, anyway, I was just really wanted to share that because it was it really impacted impacted me. So, um, so all of that bringing to this place the passage um, of the counting of the Omer and that this passage that is given to us in Zev in this season is passage to the heart of the healer. Uh, when I was looking years ago, this was so many years ago, at what Papa's heart was in each season, the one for this in each month was to stop protecting ourselves and allow Him to. And then it just said, He is our passage. And so that's so important in the, I think the medicine side of <laughs> that oil from the olive tree to stop protecting ourselves and allow him to, when he protects, he heals. You know, because a gaping wound leaves us open for more harm. And so he heals, and that is a protection. Um, And uh, so I found uh, this root word for for heal and cure, and it's gaha. And this word gaha for cure is to stoop over something as if to protect it. So it would be like you're standing next to someone and a grenade was thrown on the ground and you you just flung yourself on the grenade so it wouldn't harm that person. And, and you did it at your own peril, um, which is... It's what the cross is. It's what he did. He threw, Jesus threw himself, flung himself on every grenade, every bomb, every bullet, you know, every single one of those things that, that becomes that in, in our life and the world we're in. He, he threw himself over every single one of those. And um, he, he stooped over us in that moment to protect us. And um, and this root word ties to being freed or set free, that an act like that, that to be cured is to be free, be freed to be set free. And um, gaha actually means also to remove a bandage from a wound. And that is considered being cured when we, we take the bandage off, we don't protect it for ourselves, and we allow we allow Elohim to be our protection. We allow what Jesus did on the cross to be, to be our currency, you know, so that we would remove every band-aid. We don't keep protecting our wounds. It's just what you already said. We don't keep protecting our wounds. We actually, another meaning of gaha is to depart. We allow them to depart because they're healed. And so we can actually be free, and the, the specific word used in all of this is <laughs> C-H-O-P-H-S-H-I, which means to be free from slavery, free from every injury, free of every tax, obligation, or burden, to be exempt in order to be loosed. So meaning to become the heaven version of who we are, to be free from stress 
and distress. Psalm 118.5 says, I called upon the Lord in my distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a large place. That word for large is rahav, and it means a large space or place, but it means to become broader, to become more extensive, to live in liberty, to be spacious, vast, and wide, to live in the extensive work of. I love that so much. That's what we're counting in the Omer, the extensive work of our God. So we don't have to work, we worship. Everything we're doing with Him is, is a place of, you know, we, we yield, so we worship, and then we praise. You know, we give the fullness of who He is. Um, it means to be unlimited and measureless like all those things that limited us through the wound that caused us to measure what could happen and what could be, that's all removed. That is all removed. And, uh, you know, the, the word for distress is kabah, and it means something tight. So it's that, that tightness you feel of being up against a wall with no way out or surrounded, you know, like the enemy is just entrenched around you. And then the Lord brings you to Rahav, to a large place where you can breathe and stretch out. And that's, that's a place of freedom. And um, another meaning of Rahav is a wall. And it, it ties to Nehemiah 4.15, where they could certainly see the plans of the enemy and... Um, and just negate those plans. And they did that through the view of the Lord because they could see what God was doing. They were the prophets of the day. He's coming. He's coming. And they had no doubt that He was coming. So no plan of the enemy could be the biggest picture that they, that they held on to. And, and so again, that's the idea of this budding, this blooming, and this time is to see the seed when we when everything opens fully and you can see the seed you can begin to see there's something to come and i think that's that more that the world hungers for and tries to fill and you know we can be worldly um looking for what we can get for ourselves and the um the position we can have and instead of the place that's that we're given to expand and grow like he wants us to become large like he wants us to be enlarged he wants us to be the fullest version of ourselves that was intended that was designed from the beginning and so um you know i just as we've come through this this season of of just pesach and cross and crucifixion and crown and just the beauty of of who Christ is to us um i was just thinking of 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 twice at least but twice when when Jesus revealed to us the good news of being transfigured um you know on the on the mountain the mount of transfiguration they were able to see who he really was. You know, he 
every limit was removed, every measure that they were using um, for who he had to be to them was removed in that moment. And they they saw him in the fullness of who he was. And um, he was that transfiguration. He, he was able to be seen as more than, than he had ever been seen as to them. Even there was a, a knowing, but now they're experiencing it. And, um, and then the cross, you know, was such a transfiguration. He bore every blemish of ours, every, everything done to that point and everything that would ever be done that was counter to love. To, um, to being love and revealing love, every bit of that he took upon himself. And, um, and then after carrying it all, when, when he came, you know, after resurrection and he, he had the sign of the cross still, but all the lashes, all of those things that were the the piercing of him for the the release of his love to us those were gone he didn't carry those blemishes he was transfigured and so he, he just kept living transfigured for us that we would we would remember there's something more there's something more in us there's something more in the person next to us we are about the transfiguration of each other um the change in the outward appearance that comes from a new reality in the inward part of us, the reality of who He is and who He's calling us to be, that um, that there is to be transfigured is to be made beautiful, to be glorified, to be elevated, to be given a new appearance, and that comes from vulnerability. It comes from not protecting ourselves, but allowing ourselves to be vulnerable to each other, vulnerable with our wounds, not um, trying to tuck them in and then actually impacting each other with them, but but allowing us ourselves to be touched, and um, that we we can live transfigured because Jesus did. He did that. He. He gave us these moments where we could see that this moment of the cross, where we could see that every mark of our sin, you know, those the nail scars were his choice. He will always be marked by his choice, but all the the cuts and the the those openings and those slashes were removed in the resurrection and we're here being resurrected day by day. And so we can live transfigured without, the, without those blemishes, without those wounds, and without the idea that we need to look for them in each other in order to hide ours. You know, the part, part of maturing is sharing them together and recognizing where we've all been so that we can go to what all that He has for us. And... Um, so we get to be removed from that tightness, from that, the distress, and put into the wide open, unlimited, measureless place of transfiguration, of choosing a life resurrected where we are transfigured every single day, recognizing more of Him 
in ourselves, more of Elohim, more of them, the fullness of Elohim in ourselves and each other. And that's what we get to look for. It's what we're counting in the Omer, is where He is, where, where Elohim, where they dwell, so that we, we are more readied, we are so willing to recognize them in every circumstance, in every situation. So we then are the kings, priests, and prophets who say, He's coming into this. Will you, will you invite him to? Will you allow him in? He's, he's right here. And then someone else is transfigured. They're changed forever. They have that passage, and all their hindrances are removed. And that's a real good life to be living. Amen, and so true. Isn't it just absolutely astounding how God can tie all these things together? I mean, it is. It's my favorite. You know, in Ziv, you know, which is, you know, about being ready to mature. And we have a, a Robin, which is adulthood, knocking on our door, knocking on glass, which is maturity. And you're just like, okay, can I? Ow, my head, yeah. my head. Ow. Yeah. And we, I mean, how often are we at the corner and we've never had that that any never. of us have been aware of? But on Rosh Hashanah. Yeah, I actually walked into the corner and Kat's videoing something. I'm like, what is she doing? And I, I look, I'm like, oh my Lord. There's, yeah. this, there's this bird who is just not getting it. Cause, yeah. yeah. And with Kat's paying attention to something, you really want to pay attention you to really it too. Do. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that Robin, that Robin was telling us a story. Yeah. Well, yay. Yeah. We love our storyteller. We do. Love sitting at the feet of the storyteller and hearing and not just hearing but remembering that we're part of it and yeah yeah so good being a part of it mm-hmm. amen amen love y'all love you see you on live stream